at least meet bare minimum meet social requirements. Bare minimum, <laughs> put the, the cell phone away, away at, the at the table. Come on, man. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Coming up on this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we'll tackle your questions about handling mom's rude boyfriend, common areas in shared apartments, friends who lack grieving manners, and Facebook friends who have obnoxious networks. Then, in our postscript, we'll talk about the issue of a woman using her husband's name and how passionate people are about this topic. Our salute today is especially heartfelt and comes in the form of a thank you note. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Dan's getting married. <laughs> it's the Advent season of my wedding. You are? You, are you 12 <clears throat> days in now? Uh, actually, not quite. Not quite 12 days. Okay. It's, I, I, but I think of the one-month calendar up on the wall with those X's that go across hey. each day as you count it down. Do you and Pooja have one of those on uh, the wall? No, but it's very much ticking in, in my head. head. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, and one of my themes is keeping it cool while working hard. That <laughs> 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 there's still lots to do, but not you letting... You have a theme. <laughs> not letting that particular... My theme for myself. Yeah, you're like ma- mantra right now. Keeping it cool while working hard. You got it. Um, you went and got your tux done. I had the most fun <laughs> getting my tux fitted okay. uh, just last week. It was, for me, one of the real treats for Wait, this particular wedding. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. You Last we talked, you weren't wearing a tux to your wedding. You're wearing a... Remind me what it's Corta called. Corta pajama the night before to oh, the Sangeet. Uh, okay. Wedding so ceremony and reception. I'll be in a very traditional tuxedo. You're wearing Indian garb to the Sangeet. Yep. And traditional to the I like that way yeah. to I'll be the opposite of you. I'll be wearing like kind of normal wedding stuff to the Sangeet and then the sari to the wedding itself. But wow, that's going to look cool, man. No, I think that'll I'm, look real good. I'm I'm loving it. It, it was nice. my excuse to get my first um, formal wear. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as someone who's has a developing appreciation for tradition. Uh, it was sort of exciting oh, for come me on. to do no, that. As someone who has <laughs> an absolute obsession with really good menswear, I yeah. think this was uh, like high on your list of really cool things about the wedding. Made to measure shirt, comes out of the package, goes on, just fits like a, fits glove. Like a glove. It's made to <laughs> measure. Does, does, it, does it need a touch? It's for pretty... any of you who are curious, custom clothing really is awesome. <laughs> um, and you love you love your outfit for the Sangeet. Just as much, just as cool. I do. And it's been quite a bit of time looking for it myself and had to, didn't have to, but Pooj was down um, getting her dress, the final measurements done on her dress and found, found an outfit, knew my sizes and and made a really good choice. It was better than anything I'd been looking at. That's so so cool. That's a way to trust her. No, and she did good. Good job. She did well. She did well. Girl, girl did good. Um, but what's yeah? What are you going through? So there are a couple of things that I have to mention because because we I have an audience it. here and and um, one of the things that we're doing this particular weekend tomorrow is our our date final for giving caterer final guest list. So that means going over the list of people you've sent your invitations to and seeing who has not replied or I responded. Replied. Yes, you did. You did very well. You then later on, gave me a plus one, which I have no clue what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about that. <laughs> And and you did particularly well because one of the, the real failings was people from our generation and younger 
are the people that don't RSVP, even to a formal wedding invitation with an included postage paid Y'all return envelope easy. and reply cards. Yeah. I'm really surprised. And and it, it, it's entirely generational. Everyone over the age of 40 did it. Has done it. Wow. People who are under the age of 45. Let's rat out the cousins. Which ones didn't do it? My lips are sealed. Oh. I'm, but I, I'm just going to say it's generational. <laughs> and generational. I, I can understand the frustration. I can understand people who, who bemoan the, the inability of people today to RSVP. So have you all been calling people and getting them to RSVP then? I have a, a very short list tonight. They're oh, the, the, okay. the absolute well, final question Oh, the marks. final last ones. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So give them every last second to get it in and then and So then while I'm good with that, I think I have completely failed to book a hotel room. So I might be sleeping in my car for your wedding and bumming a bathroom from someone to get ready in. I think you're going to be in good shape, but I appreciate your gumption, <laughs> your willingness to, to, to do what you can. Can I bring Benny? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it would be such a dog-friendly it venue. It would be such a dog-friendly <laughs> venue, but I think that a crowd would probably cause him to bark a bit, and we don't want that at the wedding. Um. Before we move on to questions, I wanted to well, offer I want to one hear other more thing. About that, the wedding. So the, the, <laughs> I'm not the, ready to go to questions. When, when I yet. say keep it cool and work hard, I'm serious. We're, we're, we're up to our eyeballs. There's so many to do lists, like prioritized to do lists. And, um, and, and I'm quite serious about working hard, but also trying to keep it fun and trying to remember that, that we've got enough time to do the work that's there. So not letting the work start to feel like a weight or a burden, but, okay. but really keeping okay. the, the spirit one of we're doing this. I can't wait. It's happening. And, <laughs> Um, even as the, the, the date gets closer and closer. But one of the things that I've, I've thought quite a bit about is some really good advice I got from your sister. Yeah. And when we were early on in our wedding planning process, she said, you know, there, I had a lot of questions. So I'm asking questions about this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, you know, a lot of this is just style questions. And my answer to those over the years has gotten more and more to the point where I say, do what's going to make you feel married. Do the thing that's going to make you feel when you walk out the door like you've done the things that matter to you to really – to to make an event, to make this feel like your wedding and make you feel like you're married. And as we get closer, I could tell you absolutely certainly I will feel like I'm married when this (laughs) is over. (laughs) Um, We we, we have done enough of those things. I see enough of those markers and it it, it feels like a wedding to me. So anyway, success already. Oh, I'm (laughs) so glad. I can't wait for this wedding. I think it's going to be so much fun and I'm very, very excited. So Well, I'm glad you can be there and I'm glad all the people that have RSVP'd and thank you so much to all of you who uh, can be there also and can't wait. Now, one thought before before we move on to questions. And that, Pooge, stop listening. Pooge, for real, turn it off. Cover your ear, earmuffs, earmuffs. Exactly, earmuffs, earmuffs. earmuffs. <laughs> Have you thought of doing anything in, in the week leading up or the day before the wedding or something that's like really special for her? Some people do like a gift, but my dad, and this is where I'm totally gonna, yeah. my, my father, who's not always known for romantic gestures, I've told you this story before, but I want to tell our audience. He did the seven days before the wedding, he sent my mom seven roses. And then six days before, he sent six roses. And he went down all the way till the morning of her wedding. She got Ooh. one red rose. And it was just pretty. I thought a it was roses countdown. pretty slick. Peter a Post. roses countdown. I mean, it was, I'd never heard of it before. So I thought it was pretty slick. But do you have anything like that? 
I, I was waiting with bated breath when you were like, let me, have you done something for her? Did, let me yeah. tell you what my dad did. And I was thinking to myself, I haven't heard this yet. This is not something I've you been thinking about. I thought about. I told you this last week. No. Okay. No. And I appreciate the So the just maybe, tip. maybe something, maybe something. And maybe there's something that's more in line with you and Pooja and what I, is special to the two of you. Maybe it's a, I don't know, morning muffin. <laughs> I'm trying to think about what they do on their car ride into work. But, you know. No, it's a really nice thought. And I and I do like the way you're thinking about it. There, there were a couple things like that, little sort of moments throughout the day that, that we were planning and that I've sort of been planning that would be times just for us. But I, yeah. I, I like your idea of really taking the whole. As soon as you said Good seven days ahead. Good times on the oh. day. Holy <laughs> moly, man. But yeah, but good idea. Good thought. You were going to say seven. Just even just that idea of seven days ahead. I started thinking to myself, oh, like letters that start to arrive in the mail or something like that. But something that shows something, a little forethought yeah. and that, that that has a system to it is, yeah. is really nice. All right. Get thinking. And while you're thinking, let's get to some questions. Okay. Earmuffs off. On to the questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yay, Pooj. Welcome back. <laughs> There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. So our first question begins. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I love your show. I think as much because you're both soothing and charming to listen to as for your fun and thoughtful advice. Well, that's about as nice as a compliment as you can get. Yes. Woohoo! All right. The problem is bleeding edge modern. Mm. And I'd love some fresh ideas. I have a casual friend from college who is a friend on Facebook. He's well-adjusted, smart guy with a good job and family, but his Facebook friends are unbearable. I like to see his posts, but I can't stand the ignorant and argumentative comment threads that ensue. I want to hide his posts, or I don't want to, but it seems like the best solution here. But I feel a little guilty about it. Do you think it's fair to let the company someone keeps, even virtually, dictate your behaviors? I know Dan has written about online etiquette, and am especially curious for his take on Facebook as our boundaries and definitions of friends evolve. And Lizzie, I know you've mentioned Facebook specifically as one of the many separate tiers of contacting friends. I'd love to know each of your approaches to your own Facebooks, too, if you're comfortable sharing. Thank you for all your great work. Your enthusiasm is clear in the podcast. Sincerely, Caroline. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> Thank you, Caroline. I, I love the bleeding edge of modern. Uh, the bleeding edge <laughs> of modern, man. That's so um, romantic in a strange way. So friends of Facebook friends. Friends of Facebook friends that have really asinine comments, apparently. Yeah. No, it can be frustrating. For me, it's easy to ignore the comments me too. on Facebook posts. Yeah. Th those tend not to, be, for me, be bannable friend offenses. But um, when a particular friend's posting is routinely political and routinely right. political in a way that exactly makes me want to cross my eyes and Stick drop out of my out. chair and crawl <laughs> under my desk. and Ugh. Exactly. I can only take so much of that. And um, particularly around 
uh, really divisive issues or really personal issues. I've had one or two friends that I've personally unfriended. Or blocked or something. Just because I didn't want that popping up on my wall. But it tended to be more the post itself than the discussion of the post. But if really there's anything that's bothering you in social media, you are not obligated to be anybody's friend for any reason. And if it starts to be a source of discomfort or disease in your life, you have very little social obligation to participate or, or link to or connect with anyone. And I would just bear in mind that, you know, I do think that you could probably just read his posts and then ignore ignore the comments. A lot of the times if I have someone who I know has a very combative group of of commenters on their Facebook Mm -hmm. or just very active, you know, group of friends on their Facebook, I'll send them a message with my comment to their post because I don't Uh want it to be public and I don't want to get into the fray of the comments and the, the thread and all that. And so I that like can that often be a good good yeah. good note. But I was also thinking that you know, figure out what what you care about more. Is it the guilt that you're going to wrestle with more for unfriending someone or for blocking them, or is it you know the anger and frustration that's going to get to you more? We don't know because we're mm-hmm. not you. So mm-hmm. so I say you know kind of figure out where you stand. Again, you don't have to read the comments. Yeah. How how do you though? How do you kind of share? Tell tell us about your Facebook practices. There were a couple of things. Just generally yeah. reading this this question that came up to me. One was the idea of of the question asked about Facebook friends, and we didn't read it, but the friends is in quotation marks. <laughs> and one of the points I make in that book that's referenced here, um, living well online is that Facebook's language, their use of the the word friend to describe Mm -hmm. someone that you're connected with does create these overlapping meanings. And once upon a time, uh, the the process for ignoring a friend request was ignore. (laughs) And the idea that, that ignoring someone is rude creates the impression that hitting that ignore button is, is a rude, rude thing to do to Even someone they're not gonna know when it about isn't it. necessary. I think they've renamed that button. I don't I think don't it's know. ignore I haven't been on longer. Facebook in like four months. But um, but there, there is a question of that vocabulary and how these words have meanings traditionally and they start to take on new meanings in yeah. these digital spaces. And the, the, the big picture here is that a Facebook friend can mean a lot of different things. And yeah. you can set up different tiered circles. But to answer the following question here, I don't manage a lot of different circles of privacy on Facebook. I no. approach Facebook as a personal social network. Sure. If there is someone who wants to connect with me on Facebook that's a business connection or someone that I wouldn't want to share the type of personal information that I do on my my personal Facebook page, I ask them if they want to connect on LinkedIn. I don't maintain a professional presence to my personal Facebook page. We do have a professional presence on Facebook. The Emily Post Institute has a page also. And that's a great place to send professional contacts who contacts who want to connect with the Emily Post Institute and the work yeah. we do through Emily Post on Facebook. But what about like so <clears throat> the 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 divide between personal and professional sure get it. Mm-hmm. But what about the divide between friendships and and like you, like she was kind of saying and you kind of answered it tears of friends or you know, that friend that pops into your life that you haven't really seen in maybe 15 years but hey, your friends on Facebook like, or do you ever maybe clean you were house? quite close once? Rarely. Yeah. I rarely. I don't. I don't really clean house either. And I think of Facebook as almost sort of like my most public social self. Sure. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. Sure. So I'm, I'm comfortable sharing family news and yeah. excitement, enthusiasm about an engagement. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. Things that are part of my public personal. 
yeah. I'm comfortable with there. But I, I stay out of those heated political arguments for exactly the kind of reasons that we're seeing here. It's There's no quicker way to take that casual friend <clears throat> from 15 years ago who you like having a loose connection with through Facebook and sending them running for the hills than to start really <laughs> political or religious conversations <laughs> into exactly controversial yeah. topics. It'll do it. For me, I um, – I don't connect with anyone on Facebook that I haven't met in person. So if it's a friend of a friend, it's very rare that I will ever connect or comment unless I've actually spent time with them in person. And that's kind of my rule. Um, I don't use Facebook as a way to build my in-person relationships, Um, you know. That to me is like if I know you, I know you and I want to be a part of finding out what's going on in your life, kind of keeping tabs on your life and and knowing when the big moments have happened or sharing a funny joke or something I remember from years ago. That's all good with me. Um, But if I haven't actually met you, then no, you know, we can be friends on LinkedIn, maybe. But even LinkedIn, I do that thing where I'm like. Unless I've worked with you, I don't want to be your friend on LinkedIn because I have no ability to verify you as a as a business person. Yeah. So and it's not a big vouch, but it's a bit of a vouch. It's a vouch, <laughs> man. It's someone. a vouch yeah. to connect with someone. You've said you've worked with them, and that's what yeah. you know. I I don't mind people who use it as a way of getting in touch with us and saying, "Hey, we'd love to hire you for a spokesperson campaign," or "I'm interested in your train the trainer." I saw on your LinkedIn that you guys offer that. That I think is totally legit because you're using your business social network to try to meet people that way, but just Mm -hmm. random. And I'm like, your company has nothing to do with what my company does. And you're not even asking me for a work connection right now. So in terms of my social media and and with Twitter, I mean, anything's (laughs) game. I love Twitter. I love hearing from all of you guys on Twitter. I think it's awesome, but... And this, the, 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 I tell you, Twitter has gotten so much more fun for me since it's doing this so podcast. Much more fun. <clears throat> it really is. It's, it's, it's fun a, when you have an audience. It's a nice way to open up a conversation. It is. <laughs> Finally, when I come across something that I don't like on Facebook, that I I go the route of just ignoring it. Like even yep. ex boyfriends, things like that. I don't unfriend people. I don't kind of nix people out of my life in that way. Um, if if some I mean I'll I'll be the first to admit that if someone's harassing me via Facebook I I literally just ignore it I stop responding and that's the easiest way to just kind of I don't participate in pokes I don't do this I don't do you know Candy Crush Saga games like you know and I just ignore what I don't want to partake on in on Facebook and that's just my way of dealing with it I think that's smart I mean. Facebook's pretty sophisticated about what they show you. Yeah. If there's something that you that they've showed you that you don't pay much attention to, yeah. they learn pretty quick and stop yeah. showing it to you as much. All right. So your final thought. Um, we often – our discussions about social media have to do with the potential troubles and pitfalls. Mm-hmm. I wanted to acknowledge that um, in many ways Facebook played a role in Pooja and Mai's relationship. It <laughs> did. That it was where it I found out about the yoga class that she yeah. was offering. And when I showed up out of the blue and was the only person there that day and it was the start of a beautiful relationship, uh, it was Facebook that helped make that connection. So so you're saying I should find a date on Facebook. I'm saying no, there I'm are kidding. rewards to be reaped <laughs> <laughs> for navigating that space with uh, some stuff. competency. Good stuff. Oh, let's move on to another question, shall Indeed. we? We hope that helps. I do hope that that helps. Maybe it won't be quite so frustrating. Our next question has to do with mom's boyfriend. It begins, hello, I am 29 and my parents divorced when I was 21. My mother has had several boyfriends that I have not approved of and we've had some tension about it. 
She has a new boyfriend that she has been seeing for about a year. As I grow older, I realize more and more that her decisions are hers alone. It is important that I express to her that I want her to be happy and make an effort to repair the relationship with her and welcome her new boyfriend. She asked to bring her current boyfriend to an event celebrating my graduation. I agreed because I knew she would be hurt if I excluded him, even though I didn't think he'd enjoy it. He attended my celebration and texted at the dinner table for much of the meal. He clearly wasn't engaged during the rest of the celebration. I found the texting to be extremely rude and hurtful during an intimate evening that was supposed to be only closest friends and family celebrating my master's degree. I try to overlook others' small things that he does, but this was especially upsetting. How do I approach this with my mother, or should I at all? She clearly wants me to accept him and be more involved in his life, but with his recent behavior, I'm having trouble. Thank you for any advice you can offer for this instance and for family events and celebrations that he will attend in the future. Best, Anonymous. So tough. So tough. Trying to repair a relationship with mom, trying to be welcoming and accommodating of her boyfriend, and he's not playing the part that he should then play, which is to step up and and be interested and engaged in the family. At least meet bare minimum social requirements. Leave the the phone phone away away at the table. table. Come on, man. So here's here's what I think, and and I'll admit anonymous that I'm gonna I'm gonna come down on kind of a harsh side, and that's that for events that are focused on you, you don't have to include him. I think that what he did sounds like it was hurtful enough to you, and that it affected you enough. And I, I, from an outsider's perspective, think it was really, really terrible behavior on his part. And if I was, if I was the mother, and I saw my new boyfriend doing this to my daughter on her day that she's getting, what was it, her master's? Right. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's pretty. I'd be really unimpressed with that, and I would probably tell him so too. Let's yep. say, you know, listen, my daughter wanted to include you because this was a really special night for me, also as her mother, and I really would have liked you to have participated in the evening rather than just be on your phone all night long, and whatever else he did later <laughs> in the celebration. So I'm I'm coming down on the on the side of you're getting welcomed into a family, and you're being pretty darn disrespectful about it. Um, your mom, I don't know how much she noticed about his behavior. I don't know how much you've talked with her about it. And I would suggest that you need to have that conversation. And you can say that you are so happy that she is happy and that you do want to get to know this guy better. And I would even take the time to list some of the good qualities you see so that she can see that that you see some good things in him, mm-hmm. um, which I get the sense that you do. Maybe you don't, but I'm hoping there's some, you know, kind of that find the positive truth in there somewhere yeah. that there's got to be something well, he, he you can see. He was invited see. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think that you do need to tell her, though, that when it comes to events, that are really about you that at this point you're not ready to invite that outsider back just at this moment until you get to know him better and you feel like his presence is really going to be one that's supportive and fun um, during a time that's important for you to be supported and have fun and celebrate. And I think that that might be a little hard for her to take, so don't expect it to go perfectly. But I I am comfortable and confident telling you to stand up for yourself in this moment and give him the benefit of the doubt that things can get better. You like it? Did I do I, an okay job on that one? You did. <laughs> I, I you know me. I'm I'm the a, a, little, a little bit of an equivocator. I would take a slightly softer 
approach, but I, so, yeah. I see where you're coming from. If someone's really <clears throat> treated you disrespectfully, uh, there's no social obligation that says you have to keep inviting that person back. Yeah. This is not a, a spouse. It's not They're a not spouse. married. It's uh, if, if we were sending wedding invitations, you would not be obligated to invite this person. Maybe not. They've been dating for almost a year, <clears throat> so you might feel that obligation, but yeah. – and and that's where I would come – I would start to say there might be space on the other side and and where, yeah. you know, if you have that discussion with your mother and you yeah. say, you know, he, he your boyfriend was texting during my entire dinner. That was – that was so, so bothersome, so hurtful to yeah. me and it, it really felt like he didn't want to be there and I don't want to set us up for that situation again. That's what I'm getting at here. I, I, if she says, you know, he – I'm so sorry. Yeah. I didn't notice. I bet he didn't notice. I'm sure that he would be horrified if he knew you felt this way. I think there might be some room there for you to decide that there's room to still grow here, room to allow for a second chance. But That's I think why I'm it, saying give the benefit of the doubt, but protect yourself too. Yep. No, and, I, th- and I think with, with that spirit in mind, yeah, um, yeah you, you don't have to, to take really rude, disrespectful behavior from anybody. No. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stand with you on that one. And I think, as long yeah. as you allow for that room for someone to improve allow and to make an effort. Allow for the room for growth. <clears throat> And, and tell your mother that you're allowing for that, that you're like, I am going to, you know, I am I'm going to make an effort to get to know him better and build a relationship with him. But for now, I also have to protect this part of me. I like it. We're just smiling at each other. It's <laughs> going like, yeah, yeah, we feel confident telling her to do this. OK, Anonymous, we really hope that that helps. And hopefully you'll have many more happy family events that are that are inclusive, and we hope that this can become a positive person in your life. And a great big congratulations on Seriously, earning that degree. Seriously, that's a big Bravo. deal. All right. <laughs> so our third question of the day is, could you please – I like it because it's short. Could you please give advice for ordering at a restaurant when someone else is paying? I would be most Dan, happy to give some advice you, about that. Would you? Would you consider? <clears throat> My first tip here is follow their cues. Yes. So definitely pay attention to your host. Watch what they're doing. If they're making some attempt to give you a tour of the menu, they've got it open in front of them. They're talking about what they're seeing. Then they're playing their role as a host very well. well. <laughs> and you want to pay attention. If they say things like, you know, the such and such here is phenomenal. I'm not going to get it tonight. But pe- please feel, feel free. free. If you sound that sounds good to you, give it a try. They're recommending it. Um, If they say, I'm not going to have an appetizer, but feel free to have one, or I'm going to have an appetizer, but they're huge. Be careful. You might not want to get one and a big plate. Listen to your host. They're going to – that's their job is to help guide you through that menu. If they're not doing that, you can always try to strike up a conversation about the menu. Try to get a feel for – What do you like here? What looks good to you? (laughs) Um, If – these efforts uh, come up for naught. Yeah. <laughs> Stick to things in the mid-price range. Yep. Stick to things that look familiar to you that you're going to be able to manage uh, in terms of being served. <laughs> uh, maybe not the biggest, most yeah. difficult sandwich. Or don't order something you don't know how to eat. <clears throat> don't know how to eat or exactly or know how it's going to come to the table right. exactly. Um, try not to order too much. <laughs> you don't want to order anything too risky and you don't want to be in a situation where you're going to be putting food to waste if you don't ask to bring it with you. If someone else is paying for the meal, right. you're not going to bring home a big doggy bag at the end and you're not going to overorder if you can help it. So those are some common sense tips. Look to your host for cues. Ask or try to get those cues if they're not forthcoming. If you're not able to get that info, stick to the sort of middle price range of the menu. Try not to rocket ship off the top (laughs) or But definitely get something you want in that mid price range. Get something you'll enjoy and don't order too much and be tempted to bring some home. Awesome. Good luck and definitely eat well.
Before we read the next question, Lizzie and I want to offer our sincere and heartfelt condolences for your loss. This is a question that's about funerals and when someone's passed. And this is one of the the topics that gets searched the most on the Emily Post website. And yet we get very few questions about it. And it's because these questions are so difficult to ask. So we really appreciate um, your sharing this question with us today. I'm a very recent widow, and although some of my friends have stepped up, others have not. Should I nudge them? And if so, how? And let them know I'm disappointed. Or let it go and realize they weren't as good friends as I thought they were. I'm going to see them at the memorial service two months after his death. Should I act like it's okay? I haven't seen them in the interim. Thanks, Kathy. Kathy, this is um, – your your question really struck me, A, because – you are going through a difficult time, but also because we usually see the opposite. It's I've I've had such an outpouring of support. How can I thank everyone? And that doesn't always happen. And I think it was such a great question because you're in that moment where it doesn't always happen or you're surprised by the friends that aren't stepping up. Um, I really want to give you comfort and, and solace to know that not – Um, Not everyone deals with grief and grieving well, and they don't always know what to say or they don't always know how to step up. Um, I'm really glad that you have friends who have and that you aren't completely alone in this. But for the friends who have not, um, I would not let them know that you're disappointed. But instead, I would redirect my thoughts to saying something like, Um, You know, Beth, I could really use your support right now. It's amazing to me how long this grieving process is. And I would just love I would love to to hear your voice every now and again. Um, It's not saying you didn't call and I want you to call or you should have dropped off food and I'm really disappointed that you haven't or you didn't help me pick out funeral service things, and I really thought you would have been the friend to have done that, even though you may have those thoughts and very valid feelings. The way to approach it is is by reaching out to your friend and letting them know that that you need their support. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're down. It's so hard. I know there have been times in my life where I've been going through something and I've been really surprised at who I get text messages from checking in on me and who I don't. And it is really hard sometimes to reach out to some of your best friends and say, hey, I actually really need you right now. Um, but I think it it is such a better thing to do than to let go of a friendship that I think you probably actually care about a lot. And I also think it's a lot better than saying anything at the memorial service, which I think you need that service to be focused on your husband. And you should be focused on your husband in that moment. And while it might um, even subconsciously be a good distraction to focus your anger on the people that you're hurt by, I think the more important and healthy way, I'm guessing, and I'm, I'm delving into like, you know, therapy here, which I probably shouldn't, but is to focus on the grieving and the the celebration of his life in that day and at that service. And instead, when you do encounter those friends who are now showing up, they're there at the service. They haven't been there for the past two months, but they're there at the service. That's when you say, you know, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. I would love it if you could schedule some time with me or I would love it if you could really be there for me through this. Help them know help them what help you, you need. <laughs> and yeah. 
because they're not mm-hmm. mind readers. And often death is one of those circumstances where people sometimes they're they're scared of it happening to them and and losing their husbands and it feels very close to have a friend they feel like they can't say anything that would be of any use and yet what they don't know is that even just spending time with you might be of use i've heard you say yeah i've found myself in one situation knowing exactly what to say and in another situation being almost paralyzed totally not not to be in the position of that friend and to hear from someone what they need might be all it takes to, to free you to Is, be that Okay, friend. I can be there for you because I know what you need. But there are some some friendships you have where you don't always know what the other person needs. Or you're right, you get a little paralyzed by it. And so I I ask you to have compassion for your friends in this moment and, um, and just really – all the things that we've suggested here today um, are, are the advice that I would give. But I'm I'm so grateful that you've written in about this situation because it's one I think a lot of people experience. And I guarantee you we, we do we not have this answer in the book anywhere or mm-hmm. on the website anywhere. And it's such a fabulous question because it is so difficult. And, and I important. will go back to our mm-hmm. main messaging here and say that you always want to look for the opportunity to build the relationship. You always want to look for that, even when you're the one who's hurting. And I just really hope that you can find comfort and that your friends do understand and step forward for you. And best of luck to you in these coming months. Our next question asks, Hi, all. I'm a couple months into an eight-month living situation. I met my roommate on Craigslist, and while she's a perfectly nice person, I'm having issues with how she treats our common space. We live in a smallish, two-bedroom city apartment with a one-room common area. I pay more for the master bedroom, and she pays less for what amounts to a large closet. (laughs) The problem is that she treats our whole apartment like an extension of her bedroom, permanently Mm. leaving her clothing, work papers, computer, and extra furniture out. With the master bedroom, it is admittedly easier for me to contain my stuff to my room. However, I pay for that premium, for that luxury, and I feel like she's actually getting the better deal. I took over the lease of someone who moved out of town, and this precedent was started before I moved in. How can I handle this in a way that allows us both to feel comfortable in the common areas? Thanks, Montana. That's that's a tough situation because she's she's taken over the lease for the person who had the master bedroom before. Yes. So, well, a that I'm glad she recognizes that her roommate's space amounts to a large closet because mm-hmm. let's face it, it is really tough. My future roommate is currently living in a place where she, her bedroom amounts to a large closet, yeah. and she, she is going nuts like living there. It's like just and having ah! some awareness of what the person you're going to be yeah. negotiating with is going through is important. But the one that cracked me up. <laughs> was was not the that she leaves her clothing and, and her work papers and her computer, but the extra furniture out. I'm like, well, shouldn't the extra furniture just be in the living room and be like a part <laughs> of the living room then? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, um, I think you got to go to the three C's on this one. We've talked about them before. We'll talk about them again in the future and we'll talk about them now. Communication, compromise and commitment. Um, you guys have been roommates for the past couple months. This is a great time to sit down and say, hey, we've been living together for a couple months. Could we just talk about how things couple are going? check in. Yeah, it's a couple month check in. And I would talk in broader terms about how you both want to care for the common spaces because I think what you've done for the past two months is really consider the ins and outs of the situation. She might not be there mm-hmm. mentally. So if you come at her with, well, you've got the teeny tiny bedroom, but you kind of chose to move into the teeny tiny bedroom. <laughs> 
as much. And I pay for more, <laughs> but you know that is the thing is that I pay for more, so it shouldn't be a big deal. But the common areas are common areas regardless. So if you launch into all that, she's going to feel overwhelmed. So I say just start talking about you know we've been living here for a couple months. I want to check in personally. I just want to talk about the common spaces. Kind of feel like. You know, there's a lot of things happening in here, and I think we should agree on how they should be kept. So talk with her about what items you're okay with leaving. In. And it's you have to understand that this is compromise. She might say, okay, well, I can understand that it feels overwhelming when the living room has all my stuff, but I need my mm. computer. I need to work out here. I can't <clears throat> work in the closet. So maybe you agree that clothing stays like in her furniture. bedroom. Clothing. Yeah. <laughs> clothing and furniture stay in the bedroom. Or clothing, Art supplies, depending on how big My it. laptop. Yeah. The laptop and the work stuff might wind up out in the common area, you know, mm-hmm. but that after they've been out for a day, they need to be cleaned up. Or when you're done using them, they need to be put away. Mm-hmm. And then you need to have those rules set for you too. And I think it's important that you realize that. What I don't think is going to happen here is I don't think you should have to use your large bedroom as like your only apartment. I think you you no, you, you get access to the living room and the kitchen and the bathroom just as much as she does. And I think that needs to be a part of the agreement. And that is you pay more for that. Yeah. And that's just it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, have suggestions in mind when you go into it. Talk about it from a broader perspective. Invite her to to give a little, you know, criticism or what might have been on her mind for all we know. You know, you walk through with muddy boots every day. There's I don't know. a problem with the bathroom. Be, the- <laughs> be prepared that you might wind up with some things coming your way. Then come up with the compromise. How are you going to make it work? And then commit to it and set a date that you two are going to check back in to see how it's going and how it's working. And that can be two weeks from then. It could be a month in. Whatever works for you guys. But best of luck, man. Living with people is difficult. I'm about to get a new roommate and I can't wait. She's one of my best friends. I think it's going to be great. But we're writing down rules. We're writing down what's most important to us and how we want to deal with it so that when we're mad – we can go to the to the rules and say, hey, this is what we set up when we agreed. Is it working or is it not? Best of luck, though. <laughs> you hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Okay, so for our postscript segment, I I don't know what is going on in the universe right now, but every now and again, people write into us all at once. And it makes sense when it's like graduation season and you get lots of graduation questions or the mm-hmm. holidays, you get a lot of entertaining questions. But all of a sudden, we've had this flurry of emails about the use of a husband's name for a woman. So, for instance, if Pooja was taking your last name, Pooja being referred to as Mrs. Daniel Senning. And, man, we have had people just up in 
arms that this is still done at all mm-hmm. that some they they do not take into account that some women choose it it's called horrific disgusting archaic i mean just really passionate strong emails strong, strong opinions feelings. against this practice mm-hmm. and it it does seem a little strange <laughs> that 50 years after, you know, the issue of Ms. came about and Ms. really became a, a recognized, well-known term for women, um, that we're still referring to women by their husband's name. However, I talk to a lot of people about etiquette. And one of the things that I always try to bring up, especially when I get asked by women's groups to come and speak, um, like the women in Omaha who brought me out there for for the big debutante function, is I asked, how do you feel about being Mrs. John Doe? Or would you prefer to be Mrs. Kathy Doe? And I get completely different answers from everyone. Women, yep. I think, would want to be go by their husband's names. Nope, not at all. Women who I think would want to go by their own names love the honor Don't of having their husband's with that name. Brush. It's and they are each equally like I or I married into that family and I earned that name. I would never want to be called anything but my own name. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Well, but if you do it that way, it means you're divorced. No, it means you're widowed. No, it means this. What about the children? It's, oh, my gosh. It's like insane. <laughs> and then you get these other people who are writing it. Oh, it's a horrific practice. It's disgusting. It's despicable. I can't believe you promote this in the day and age we live in. And it's like, whoa. So I'm calling for people to stop. <laughs> The issue hasn't been decided upon by women. And that's that's the issue is that we have to have the advice out there in both camps because women have not come down on one side or the other solidly. And I think that that's what I would love for for our listeners and for anyone out there seeking information on the topic is to respect other women's choice, that other women have chosen to be called by their husband's name or to be called by their name. And it doesn't make them a lesser wife. It doesn't make them a lesser woman. It doesn't make them, you know, um, someone who is against equal rights or for them. Mm -hmm. It's just simply how they prefer to be called, what they enjoy, and, and what means something to them. And I think you just all have to respect that, <laughs> that it's that it's both sides are still correct. Here's where the real trouble begins. And this is, this is where I want Dan's help because I'm not sure we have an answer for it. Typically, when a woman is going to sign up for, you know, to be on a charity committee or join a group of some sort or, um, you know, the PTA, whatever it is, you know, sign your kid up for school. You're writing your name down on forms and you should always be writing it down as you wish to be written to. So, you know, you you obviously you're going to have to put your first name in at some point. So if you use your husband's name, you might just want to make note of that, that in correspondence to you, you prefer to be used by go by your husband's name. Mm-hmm. But the problem comes when organizations are writing and businesses are writing to women and they don't know. They don't know what she prefers. And that's where I think a lot of the trouble gets started because those who don't want to be associated with their husband's name, a lot of organizations will go with the most formal, most traditional. 
And that means that they get listed as, you know, in my mom's case, it would be Mrs. Peter Post. And if she was someone who found that disgusting and archaic and horrific, it would be really awful for her to get that. But if she wasn't, it wouldn't be a big deal. And what do you think, Dan, that we should be telling these organizations to do? It's it's you 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 paint the the problem very clearly. Yeah. When we're talking about individuals in business, we always say that use the Ms. until you know. Yeah. Until you know until you know it's Mrs. It's, the default is Ms. Right. Because it doesn't. Um, it's not dependent on marital status. It can work. <laughs> so what do you do when you know the missus, but you don't know which she prefers, husband's name or hers? My instinct these days yeah. would be to use a woman's name, not her, her husband's first name. name. Me too. That would personally. be my instinct. And and precisely because of the type of passion that you're yeah. you're talking about. That here. I hear about. My it's so funny for me when I hear you, when you talk about 50, it was 50 years ago that Ms. really came up. years ago. 70s. It, in some ways, that seems like a long time ago. I think ago. it was the in 70s. In some ways, it, se- it, yes, okay. it seems like not that long ago. I mean, really, th- we're talking about I don't think a generation of the... two generations, maybe. Well, it's because you and I grew up in the 80s. So to us, the 70s was just the decade before. Mm-hmm. But now <laughs> we're in 2015. It was 50 years ago. Wait, and thank you for that reminder. And yeah. and, and it's a little bit that perspective yeah. that, that says to me, um, my, my default would probably be to use a woman's name, not her husband's. But I'm aware that the very traditional approach and that, that particularly for some organizations that are um, – have, have deep roots in the past and are part of a very traditional communities, that that, that, that is the default position, that and they want to go with the most formal, most traditional system or style. The other side of it was that it was an indicator of having been separated from your sum- – husband at some point if you were using your first name so with a married last with a married last and so it is it is a complex issue in terms of what were you raised with you know some women had no idea that that was the case you know that that being mrs kathy smith would have meant that um that it was an indicator of whether or not your husband was alive or with you or you know whether you're divorced something like that and so it's complicated it is complicated. I'm with so, you, though. I think that the default – personally, I would like to see the default go to being mm-hmm. – her, using her first name first. And then if she lets the organization know, oh, you know, I really prefer to, to use my husband's name. Yeah. But I can also and see I, that – I know there are traditionalists out there right now that are shaking panicking. their heads, that are really yeah. concerned that, and, that we would be giving that advice. And, and I actually agree with them too because I'm understand. going, you know, that's the formal side of it and the traditional side of it. And it's funny. I, I, I love where you started this discussion because that's really where I want to bring it back around to. What which did is, I start I, I hope that everybody can – appreciate that there are different feelings about this and everybody could give everyone a little latitude. If you're a, 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 someone who really prefers to use her husband's name and you get a letter from an organization that's using yours that you just uh, understand they where didn't they're know. coming from. <laughs> and, yeah, understand they didn't know. And on the flip side that um, that if you're an organization facing that difficult situation that, that whatever choice you made, you yeah. can be comfortable with it and not be abused. <laughs> my, my hope is that people on both sides of the issue will just understand that Make it important when you can and when it comes in the wrong way, exactly like you just said. Just take a breath and understand that they just didn't know. I changed a few between save the date and invitation going Did out you? in Did response you? to this exact See, question. It's it's important. Once and once you know, then respect the person's wishes. Yeah. That's it. Anyway, we hope that, that that might give people a little more thought, a little more ease, but we understand why it's such a passionate issue. Well, now, wasn't that better? 
Look at the effect of a little politeness. Now for Lizzie's and my favorite part of the show. Today's etiquette salute comes in the form of a thank you note. Dear Lizzie Post and Daniel Senning, I am a big fan of awesome etiquette and even used your advice of handwritten thank you cards after a half-day job interview with a panel of 10 people. <laughs> Wish me luck. <laughs> I Good do. Luck. Your hands and you hurt. are an etiquette champion. Yeah, seriously. The etiquette salute portion is one of my favorite segments, and I'd love to throw my salute into the ring. This may seem like it should be more in the realm of basic human kindness, but I'd still love to thank this person since I never got the chance to do so. About five years ago, my wife was riding her motorcycle from an event to our home. On the way back, a driver lost control of his or her car, T-boned her, and sadly fled the scene. Luckily, she survived, but she was left nearly unconscious on the side of the road with substantial injuries that left her unable to walk on her own. By some stroke of luck, her body did not land in the road, but it did land on the median just inches from traffic. At some point after the hit and run, a man pulled over, checked on her, and stayed by her side until police and medical help arrived. Doing this involved putting him and his vehicle also very close to traffic. From what I can gather from the police reports, he probably was also the one to call 911 and get her medical help. In the moment, my wife was very confused and disoriented and became very angry with him. Looking back, this was probably from a mixture of incredible pain, fear, and vulnerability. In a world that seems to become more and more self-centered, I'm so grateful that someone took the time to help and show some compassion. I shudder to think what would have happened if he had not stepped in when he did. To this man, I would like to say the following. I thank you. My wife thanks you. You have most likely saved her leg and possibly saved her life. Whenever I feel angry that the original driver left her to die, I remind myself that there are people like you too. At the time, she was just my girlfriend, but because of your actions, she got to become my wife. Best. A grateful person. Pretty amazing salute there. I think that's a a remarkable message, and thank you for sharing it with us. Yes, thank you, grateful person. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Remember, if you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook, post it. And best of all, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show was produced by the wonderful Hans Buto. 